welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who was live on site for Steph Curry's fourth quarter explosion on Thursday, Brandon Siegel. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It was actually quite a great game to catch. It, it, I really wanted to see, you know, Mobley and, uh, you know, a, a lot of the Cavs that were sitting that day. Uh, but Garland played really well, and obviously Steph, I mean, Steph's, Steph's just Steph. And, like, one thing I was, we'll, we'll get into it a little bit later, but one thing I was talking to my dad is about how his games, like, I feel like completely changed since, like, 2016, 2017. Uh, but I, I'll have some more thoughts on that later. Um, we are without Ben O'Brien today. Very sad. We're actually recording this one on Saturday, a day early. Um, but that is okay. Ben will hopefully be back next week. Um, but we'll get right into the episodes. Let's get right into it, Trevor. Let's start with some college basketball. Uh, we had a lot of good college basketball in this previous week, so why don't you recap a couple games for us? Yeah, so I'm just going to go through some of the biggest games from the past week. Uh, first one, got to start out with Gonzaga, Texas, because that was uh, right after we recorded last week's episode. Uh, Gonzaga won that one up. Kind of a blowout, you know? Not really that close. I was hoping for a little bit more from Texas, but they are a young team. You know, a lot of new pieces, some transfers. They're getting it together, and Gonzaga won this one 86-74. Drew Timmy, you know, the preseason favorite for National Player of the Year. He had 37 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists. Almost dropped the 40 points. He was pretty close there, uh, but not quite. Drew Timmy uh, definitely, you know, kind of... I think rightfully predicted as the preseason player of the year because right now if if the award was given out today I think it would have to be given to him he was incredible in this game just kind of scoring at will doing whatever he wanted and Texas didn't really have you know a, a you know a matchup that could that could really try to stop him there um, so that was um, a really good showing from Gonzaga and once again you know we saw them start off last season they were kind of the best team in the in the in the nation you know out of the gates and they sustained that all the way throughout the entire year until the championship game when they lost to Baylor. Now they're kind of out for a little revenge. It seems like they retooled a little bit. They got the freshman Chet Holmgren. Uh, They got a couple other pieces in addition to what they already have the experience with Mark few and they're the best team right now. So it's going to be interesting to see. Um, We have some really fun games coming up uh, for Gonzaga, some interesting ones to look out for. Um, and, and that'll be a lot of fun. Um, a couple other games, just wanted to mention, uh, we had Michigan, Seton Hall, your Wolverines, Brandon. They mm-hmm. did take a loss uh, to Seton Hall. Now, Seton Hall's a really good team. I, I don't think this is a terrible loss. Um, obviously, if you're Michigan, you want to win this game because you want to win every game. Um, Hunter Dickinson still played well, but outside of Hunter Dickinson, it's kind of like a question of, okay, who who is the other guy that you know you can really give it to, um, You know, get you a bucket, um, when you need it, and their backcourt does have at least some question marks. Um, I think for Michigan, they have some younger players, some talent, Caleb Houston and other, you know, other young freshmen that, you know, Caleb Houston at least, like he's a projected potential lottery pick. Um, so wasn't necessarily the greatest showing from him. I, I remember seeing him like airball a three pretty badly. Just, you know, not not the best showing, but Seton Hall, very impressive. Again, they have a couple transfers, like like Bryce Aiken, for example. They have other returning players like Miles Kale. So Seton Hall's a really good team. I think they're the second-best team in the Big East. Um, it's, you know, it's between them and UConn. I think they're better than UConn, um, obviously Villanova being the best. But Seton Hall's right behind them, and I expect Seton Hall to be pretty good uh, all year. Um, Brandon, did you want to um, uh, say anything about your Wolverines here early in the season? 
Yeah, I, I think this was a destined loss. Not necessarily to Seton Hall, but an early loss. Uh, Michigan's very, very young. And one thing we talked about before the podcast, Trevor, is that uh, this team is a lot like you know the Duke teams and the UNC teams we've seen of the past that have a ton of young, young talent playing in big positions. Uh, so yeah, I, I think it's going to take time to gel together. And I, I'm sure in March, Michigan will hit their stride like they do every single March. Um, and become, you know, a, a real top-tier team. I think winning it all is going to be a stretch. It's, there's just a lot of young guys that haven't been in big games. Um, you know, we'll see a nice kick from this team uh, during the Big Ten part of their schedule, I think. So I'm not upset at this loss. Two-point loss to Seton Hall. You know, I'll take that any day of the week. Yeah, definitely. Um, so next game I want to mention quickly, uh, Marquette. They pulled the upset on Illinois. Uh, now this was uh, Illinois without Kofi Coburn. Uh, they beat him by a point, 67-66. And this Marquette team actually, you know, is looking pretty good. Um, I think, you know, they just also beat my West Virginia Mountaineers uh, last night, 82-71. They were undefeated 5-0. and And I would expect them to be ranked in the top 25 come Monday morning. Um, they've looked, you know, sneaky good, you know. Another team in the Big East you have here that maybe people were sleeping on a little bit. We'll have to see going forward um, how they play. They have a big game against UCLA on December 11th. Uh, so that's one to look out for with Marquette. Uh, another game, real quickly, we have BYU-Oregon. BYU destroyed Oregon. Um, just like uh, BYU, who is obviously, they, you know, they have the misfortune of having Gonzaga in their conference, but BYU is the second-best team in the WCC. Uh, they made a big statement, a bold one, against Oregon. And I still think Oregon's going to be really good. But, uh, you know, you look at, you know, the prediction I made of Oregon winning the Pac-12, and I'm like, eh, you know, might be something I, I might want to walk back with how they looked and how UCLA has looked so far. Um, last one, Xavier beat Ohio State. This Ohio State team, I've watched, you know, bits and pieces of a few of their games now. I'm just not, I'm not super sold, you know. They're honestly, yes, they have EJ Liddell. That's their clear best player. Um, but outside of that, like, they're kind of relying on some of their younger players, like Malachi Branham, uh, St. Vincent St. Mary product that, that we got the fortune of seeing uh, in Columbus a couple years ago. Uh, Michi Johnson, who we also watched from Garfield Heights. Like Some of these younger players, freshman, sophomore, are getting minutes, and some of these other guys, it's like they don't have like that clear second guy. They don't have a ton of like go-to scoring. It's kind of like EJ Liddell, and if EJ Liddell's not having a good game, then they're going to struggle. So they almost lost to, to Akron um, about a week or two ago. Now they fall here to Xavier. Um, I think it's definitely going to take some time here for Ohio State to uh, really, really pick it up. Um, you know, they just don't—they don't have the talent. I think in general that some of these other top teams in the Big Ten have, like a Michigan, like a Purdue, like an Illinois. They're not on the same level, in my opinion, as those three teams. Um, going to move on to some games for this upcoming week. The biggest one, this is the one that if you're listening to this podcast right now and you do not watch this game, I will be very disappointed in you. I'm here to tell you that. It's Gonzaga versus UCLA on Tuesday night. It's a late one, you know. If you're on the East Coast, 10 o'clock, Central 9. You know, if you're on the West Coast somehow listening to this, I don't think we have many West Coast listeners, but 7, so a little better for you, I guess. But Gonzaga, UCLA, number one, number two uh, ranked teams, must watch. It's going to be awesome. You have Drew Timmy, like I just mentioned, with Chet Holmgren uh, going against UCLA, Johnny Juzang, the rematch from the Final Four. It's going to be awesome. Uh, a couple other ones with some NBA draft ramifications. UConn and Auburn. Um, Auburn has a prospect to look out for Jabari Smith. Uh, definitely want to watch out for the game. That game is on Wednesday. 
Uh, Memphis and Virginia Tech, another one. Obviously, Memphis, they have Amani Bates, um, who still, I think, is only 17 years old. Uh, you have Jalen Duran, who is, is expected to be, you know, top five, top six pick. And then uh, Virginia Tech, I think, uh, I don't know necessarily about their prospects in the NBA draft, but they are kind of a sleeper here, sleeper here in the ACC, who I think personally should be ranked. Uh, and they might beat Memphis on Wednesday. We'll have to see about that one. Last one's Duke-Gonzaga. Another good Gonzaga game on Friday. Should be good to see, obviously, Paolo Bancaro uh, to watch out for Duke. In my opinion, from what I have seen, um, he's currently uh, the number one. He currently would be the number one pick. Um, in the 2022 NBA draft, um, but just some good games there. Definitely some things you want to be uh, looking out for, and and if you can try to catch a couple of those games. Yeah, look at Gonzaga. Gonzaga keeps on getting these amazing pre or not preseason uh, before their conference season games. You know, props to them. You know, not only being a top team but getting these games and really challenging themselves early in the season. Um, but let's yeah. let's let's move on to college football. Uh, talk a little bit about. Some of the games we saw last week, and you know, preview a game or two coming up today because this is coming out. Uh, I guess this comes out after the games, but it'll be nice to hear our predictions yeah. uh, beforehand. Uh, so, Trevor, why don't you start us off with a little Baylor, Oklahoma? Yeah, so this is the one game that stood out to me last week, and it brought me great joy because um, Oklahoma, they played my West Virginia Mountaineers about a month or so ago, and West Virginia absolutely should have won this game. Um, not not, not going to blame anything on the refs, not going to blame anything on anyone else other than West Virginia. They made some mistakes late, uh, kind of shot themselves in the foot when they should have definitely won this game. Um, but Oklahoma has been a team that after watching a game, and, and granted, I'm not watching Oklahoma every single week. I haven't watched all of their games. But watching that one and, you know, watching, you know, here and there, I haven't been super sold on them. They've been undefeated up until this point, but I felt like, you know what, Oklahoma, someone's going to catch them on, on, a, on a bad night. Someone's going to catch them. They're going to, you know, maybe just like expose some of their flaws here a little bit. And I think Baylor did that last Saturday. Baylor with a good performance. And, you know, with Oklahoma, um, it's so weird because obviously all the Spencer Rattler hype they had before the season, he was like, you know, the Heisman favorite. And he's like not even playing in most of this game. And it's crazy. He just hasn't looked like the guy that everyone expected him to. And, um, it's not like the other quarterback is like a ton better necessarily. So Oklahoma, I don't know. They're obviously still a really good team. They're always good, but you know, not not this like top five team, not this team that really deserved to be undefeated in my opinion. So Baylor gets the upset there. Uh, big win for the Bears. So you know, I get if there's no other games you want to talk about, we got Ohio State, Michigan State, which actually, as we're recording this, it just started. Um, but I, I want to talk about this game. Michigan State's received a lot of hype. They're number seven in the nation. Um, Ohio State, here I have them as number four. I, some places they're five. I don't know. Whatever you want to say. Uh, they're only two or three spots apart. There is vast differences between these two teams. The money line is 19.5 at game time. I would 100% take, or I guess not money line, the spread. I would take Ohio State easy at 19.5. I don't think this game will be close. I think Ohio State's going to blow them out. Uh, Michigan State is not a great football team. They have Kenneth Walker, who seems to be, I mean, maybe the best player in college football this year. Uh, besides that, uh, the, the quarterback can't really throw. I don't love their defense all too much. I think Ohio State will rip them apart, and this game will not even be close. Trevor, do you agree with this take? What do you think? 
Oh, Brandon, the Michigan fan on the podcast, trying to curse the Buckeyes. I, I see what you're doing here. No, I'm um, not. I, honestly, if this could end in a tie, it would yeah, be wonderful. I mean, you, but yeah, you, you don't like either team, so it's not like you would necessarily try to my, get Michigan my State My hatred to win for Michigan all. State is um, way larger for Ohio State. It's larger, right, State. right. That's true. Um, yeah, I mean, destroy them. I mean, t- they totally could. Um, I, I mean, regardless of what the point margin is, I expect Ohio State to win. I don't think it'll be that close. Uh, 19 and a half. When I saw that line, I was a little surprised. I was like, okay, like, I don't think that's ridiculous. Like, Ohio State totally could win by three touchdowns. That's possible. Um, but at the same time, I was like, man, Michigan State's number seven in their 19 and a half point underdogs against Ohio State. A little wild. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Ohio State's going to win this game. I would say more like, maybe not as, uh, if, if you think it's going to be more than 19 and a half, I would say, honestly, maybe a little under. I would lean more toward maybe two touchdowns, 17 points, something like that. But I wouldn't be too surprised if they completely destroyed them um, as well. Yeah, I, I really, I, I see just an absolute blot here. But, you know, we'll, we'll just kind of have to uh, to wait and see. Uh, I guess it just started in, in, in terms of when we are recording this podcast. But you guys hearing this will know who won. Uh, let's, mm-hmm. let's move on here and get into our NBA segment. Trevor, I know you've been excited to get to this. Um, and I actually got to see the Warriors this week, so I have I have some input on the Warriors, and I talked a little bit at the start of the podcast about this. Um, but I, I want to talk about Steph for a minute here. Obviously, he's their best player. He's one of the best players in the league, if not the best player. You know, he's amazing. But I think one thing I realized in this game is he has evolved his game a little bit. Uh, you know, I feel like it used to be, how can we get Steph Curry open to shoot a three, right? Like, I feel like that's... And it still is a part of his game, right, Trevor? Like, you'd agree with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think his game has become more complete, and I, I feel like it's it's at the point where you can't—he can drive really, really, really well, and I'm not saying he hasn't been able to do that before. It's not what I'm trying to—the point I'm trying to make. I feel like he has now become a complete point guard in the sense where it is impossible to guard him. You know, th- there was a point in time in the game, it seemed like early fourth quarter, um, where Steph was getting, you know, pressured a lot, which is, I mean, kind of what you have to do. And he would just blow by whoever was around him and score an easy layup. It, it was like, I don't even know how you play him at this point. How do you play him back? Do you play him up? It, it's almost like an impossible task. And it would have been nice to see the Cavs fully healthy against uh, against the Warriors. I, I don't think they would have necessarily won. Um, but it would have been nice to see Mobley and stuff. Mobley's been great. But Steph, I feel like, has become completely unguardable. Uh, and has solidified himself, in my opinion, as a top two or three player in the league. Yeah, so the thing the thing that's so crazy about this, because well, actually first I want to go off what you said because I think the the biggest point there of what you said, like thinking that his game has become more complete, I just think his like basketball intelligence, his basketball IQ has reached such a high level, and we see this with other players. Obviously, LeBron being the biggest example. You know, we see it with Chris Paul. I mean, D Wade. I think later in his career when he had, had limited athleticism, like. We, we see this with, like, some of the all-time greats where they just get, like, a level of, like, being able to read the floor, know exactly what's going to happen next, put themselves and their teammates in a position to um, do that, communicate, like, all that stuff. Be, just being, like, great leaders, and Steph clearly is an awesome leader for this team. Even if Draymond maybe is more vocal, he's more of, like, the outspoken guy. Um, you know, Steph does a lot of things uh, to lead um, in his own way as well. Um, but I think it's like the basketball IQ is kind of a, a big reason um, why he just becomes so smart. And with the Warriors, it's really hard to kind of wrap your mind around 
the fact that they are 14-2 and have the best record in the league because if you look at their roster on paper before, I mean, before the season or right now, whatever the case may be, you look at their roster and then you go and look at like some of these other rosters and you try to like put the pieces together of like reason like out how exactly it would make sense that they are the best team when outside of Steph, okay, yes, they still have Draymond and Draymond, you know, he's had a little bit of a resurgence this year. You know, maybe he's the favorite free defensive player of the year. Um, and he seems like maybe himself a little bit more again. You have Jordan Poole, who's improved. Wiggins, you can argue maybe he's been a little bit better. Um, you know, maybe part of it's that Steve Kerr is actually just like this really good coach. Um, you can argue like with the defense, the way they've played seemingly harder than every other team. You look at like Gary Payton uh, is the second. Is that Junior? Gary Payton? Is he Gary Payton yep. Junior? Gary, Pay- Gary Payton um, Junior. Yeah, so Gary Payton Jr., like, his just, like, resiliency in that Brooklyn game in particular that I was watching, it's just, like, it's weird because you look at it on paper and it's like, okay, how many all-stars does this team actually have? Like, is Draymond an all-star? Like, maybe, but, like, at most they have two, and then the third best player is Jordan Poole, and it's just, like, trying to wrap your mind around how they can be 14-2, and two, it's, it's a little weird to try to do that, so... I think it's a combination of all those things, ultimately, and it's that's really what it is. Like you watch them play, and they have the unselfishness, they have the chemistry, seemingly back that they had in those early years before Kevin Durant ever came, 2015, 2016, and they just play harder than these other teams. Like you watch them in the Brook, I watched the Brooklyn game, and it's just like every single you know time Kevin Durant gets the ball, they're collapsing. They have this scheme built to stop him. Every single time he takes a shot, they're, like, sprinting on closeouts. I mean, Gary Payton is relentless, just, like, on the closeouts, um, never giving Durant, like, a wide-open look. It's just, like, insane. And I think, ultimately, you got to kind of just attribute it to a combination. But if Steph if Steph keeps doing what he's doing, and, like, his efficiency numbers, by the way, aren't, like, super great, but, like, at some point, it doesn't even matter a ton because he's still averaging a lot of points. They still have this defense, which, and by the way, like Steph, you know, he's kind of an underrated defender, I would say as well. It's just like at some point, if if this continues and the Warriors get the one seed, they look really good and they're going to get Clay back. But it's, it's at some point, looking at what Steph is doing this season, like this to me is like he's thirty three. I think this is like another leap for me. And when I look at all time legacy, being able yeah, to I elevate agree. your team, being able to elevate your team. And the playoffs is obviously very important. We'll see what happens in the playoffs. But this could potentially really elevate Steph in my all-time, like in my opinion. Like he's going to be, I had him, because I had him 24. We did our rankings two years ago. He's already a couple notches. He's at least maybe like 22. I don't know. He's right there, D-Wade and Dirk. He's in the same vicinity as those guys. If he does this, he's going to pass D-Wade. He's going to pass Dirk. He has the longevity. He has, this is another statement. He's going to elevate into the teens, you know, where he's competing with, you know, maybe a Jerry West or some of these other guys, Charles Barkley, that I have 16, 17 range. Um, so, yeah, this this has just been a huge step for Steph, huge step for the Warriors. And I can't wait to see what happens when Clay comes back because uh, it's it's going to be fun. And watching them play basketball is is truly just like very – it's very enjoyable. I, I think you said it perfectly too, Trevor. Like the way he's playing, it's 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 a lot like I feel like Shaq. And let me explain what I mean by that. Shaq was so dominant 
uh, you know, down low, and it was, like, almost impossible to stop him. And I feel like the dominant Steph has been at this season is there's just no stopping it at all. There's not like you can put someone on him and shut him down for a game. I, I just genuinely feel like uh, the dominance he's held himself at and the longevity, just like you said, is going to rise him up those rankings. I mean, he's already one of the—he's probably the best shooter of all time. I don't even know if there's much of a debate for that, you know? Mm-hmm. But I, I, I 100% agree with everything you said. It, it makes perfect sense. Um, let's let's get into some of the good this week, though, Trevor. What's some what's some of the good stuff you saw in the NBA this week? Yeah, so talked I talked enough about the Warriors. Um, another team I want to talk about is the Phoenix Suns. Uh, the Phoenix Suns, I believe, are the two seed. I think uh, they were really good. Uh, they've they've been playing really well. Uh, Chris Paul overall, you know, doing more of what Chris Paul did last season. You know, pretty much they're on they were on this win streak. They did lose one, but I think they like their first four or five games weren't as great. Then they go on this win streak. Uh, Chris Paul's playing well. Booker's playing well. You know the whole thing. The Suns um, are are twelve and three. They're the two seed in the West, and they're playing really well. And and I watched um, their game against the Mavericks a few days ago, and Luca wasn't playing in that game. But watching, so like they they didn't even play that well. Like Chris Paul, I think was like zero of nine at a certain point. The Mavs were up, you know, eight to ten points, and then the fourth quarter. It just flipped. Like, Chris Paul just, like, started making shots. Booker w- was playing pretty well. You, you know, you've got so many different pieces. They have Mikal Bridges, you know, one of my favorite players to watch, DeAndre Ayton. It's just, like, such a well-rounded team. And, obviously, we, we talked about this plenty when the playoffs were going on. But it's it's more of the, the same thing, I think. And uh, Chris Paul, really, what he can do late in games, um, just he just suddenly starts making shots that he wasn't making all game. And that's something that Chris Paul does. Um, this is something that Dwayne Wade used to do late in his career as well. It's just like, he's just like having a horrible night, you know. And all of a sudden, late in the game, he just like starts making shots. And all of a sudden, like, all right, the game's over. The Suns won because they have, you know, Chris Paul. It's You know, so that's going to be something that's always going to mean a lot for them. And the Suns, again, once, you know, once again, they're going a little under the radar right now in terms of the national media. But I wanted to point them out because they look very good. Uh, one other team, I have to do the Bulls again. We already talked about the Bulls, uh, I think, a couple weeks ago, but I've happened to watch a lot of their games, and um, it's been so impressive just to watch how the Bulls have come together, not only on offense, but on defense as well, which is the part that I didn't really foresee. I didn't really see them being all that great of a defensive team, but they have been a pretty good defensive team, actually. Um, you know, one of the better ones in the league, um, actually, and in their game against the Lakers on Monday, they kind of embarrassed the Lakers. Like, they beat them 121 to 103. DeMar DeRozan has been incredible. Like, he's probably, he might be top. Like, if the MVP was held today, like, DeMar DeRozan might be, like, fourth or fifth in the MVP voting, which is pretty pretty nuts because, you know, he's, I think, kind of, uh, like, going to San Antonio, kind of, like, put him under the radar. Those teams weren't very good in the past couple of years the Spurs and like DeRozan yeah he's still averaging you know 21 22 points a game but like no one's really talking about him but now with Chicago he's kind of having like this season that again it's like you guys kind of counting me out it's like eh, my my career's over well actually no it's not I'm gonna be an all-star and I'm you know gonna be one of the best five six players in the league actually so he's been playing really well uh Lonzo Ball I think just fits so well on this team um he's really improved his shooting in particular uh, he has a completely different jump shot, um, and I believe he's shooting 45% from three as well. So Lonzo Ball, not necessarily putting up huge numbers. I think he's like 13, 5, and 5, but it's more efficient. He's like 43% from three, 
from the field overall, 45 from three, whereas in the past he's been like, you know, 36, 37% shooter. Um, and then obviously he's a really good defender. So just some things I wanted to mention with the Bulls. Um, and then I also wanted to do my uh, small baller player of the week. It can't be anyone else than Steph Curry, and I've already talked about him enough, so I'm just going to say that's who wins it. Um, other guys in, uh, I guess, that you could potentially mention, like Giannis had a 47-point game the other night. He's up there you know, doing more of what he does. Um, probably a sleeper for MVP as well. The Bucks haven't been as good because they've been injured, but if they get it going, you know, get up to a two or a one or a two seed, Giannis is another player that is going to be in the mix uh, for MVP with Steph Curry, with Kevin Durant, with Nikola Jokic. I think those four are the the main contenders with kind of like DeRozan and Paul George um, after that. Um, so yeah, he's a small bowler of the week, and I think that's about it uh, for the NBA. Unless you wanted to mention anything else. No, no, I, th- I think we're we're good on that. Let's let's kind of head over to the NFL and go to our final segment of the day. Um, and you know, let's let's start off with last week. Um, we, I, you know, we we don't need to spend too much time on this just because this is coming out, you know, so much later. But um, a couple of takeaways, Trevor. I'm gonna start this one off. I, we gotta talk about the Patriots. You know, we have to. Uh, Patriots, Browns. Patriots won 45 to seven. I this was a demolishing. Um, and I, I said that this was a defining game for the Browns, but this was also a defining game for the Patriots. I, I don't think we should sleep on that. You know, both teams were five and four coming to the game, and I felt like both teams were like right on the border of being top ten teams. Uh, and this really showed me the Browns are way worse than the Patriots, and the Patriots are way better than the Browns. Um, and the Patriots have looked increasingly impressive, especially Mac Jones. I mean, Mac Jones did for three touchdowns, only 200 yards, but he was 19 for 23 on the day. Um, you know, I'm quite impressed with the Patriots. I severely underestimated them. You know, Trevor, this being one of your two favorite teams, because it's, it is hard to choose a favorite team sometimes. You know, what, what do you think about the Patriots? Yeah, um, you know, the Patriots, like before the season, I, th- I thought they could make the playoffs. I was thinking like right along like a, like a 10 and 7, uh, you know, something like that. And then they started off the season slow. Um, you know, obviously, you know, playing very conservative with Mac, not really doing a ton, a lot of short, quick throws, running the ball with Damien Harris, um, and obviously relying on the defense, which at the time didn't look as good. You know, they were, they fell to the Saints, obviously in week one, they lost to the Dolphins, um, almost beat the Bucks, couldn't, couldn't quite do it. And then lost to the Cowboys, um, as well, which they also came pretty close in. And it was like, I don't know, like the Pats are fine. Like they're not a horrible team. They're like, they're fine. Like their defense is going to keep them in games. I, I think overall, but is Matt like is the offense going to be able to just go out and win the games? Can Matt put together a uh, you know a long drive, win the game? Can he take deep shots? Like it was really about the downfield passing. I was like, yeah, like the team's fine, but like I don't I don't know if we can make big plays. I, you know, I that's kind of how I was feeling earlier in the year, but now we've seen in the past two weeks at least. Um, and, and arguably that Cowboys game, even though they lost, I think as well, where there is a little bit more of that now. You're seeing like Josh McDaniels, you know, he's open up, opening up the playbook here a little bit for Mac Jones. Uh, you know, he's taking some shots. He's throwing the needle on some of these throws um, to, you know, to Hunter Henry or to, you know, Aguilar maybe occasionally, like whoever, whatever the case may be. Um, like he's finding some of these windows and he's been super accurate. And it's weird because, like, before the draft, like, Mac Jones, you know, 
it was talked about. Like, yeah, Mac Jones, he's really accurate. He was accurate at Alabama. He had a really good year. He's a good leader. Like, he's a hard worker. You know, all that kind of stuff. But it's like the overall talent, you know, the arm talent. Can he make these wow plays like a Zach Wilson or a Trevor Lawrence? Um, can he do that? And most people would said no. And that's why for most people, he was the, you know, fourth or fifth best quarterback. I mean, for me, he was the fourth best quarterback. Um, and I don't know, I, I wouldn't necessarily, I'm not going to count out Trevor Lawrence. I'm not going to count out Zach Wilson, uh, or Fields or Lance. I'm not, I'm not counting out any of these guys super early, but Mac Jones has been the best rookie quarterback, uh, so far this season, obviously, a lot of that has to do with situation, but he's been very good. He's been very accurate. Uh, 14 touchdowns, eight interceptions. And obviously, you have a lot of people. You know, I'm sitting all week, sports radio. I'm on ESPN watching Get Up and, you know, FS1. And a lot of people, they're making the Brady comparisons. They're making the, like, oh, you know, the young quarterback with the really good defense, you know, finding ways to win, uh, being super accurate. And people are making the comparisons. And, you know, uh, you know, I don't necessarily hate it because Mac has looked really good. And it's not like, obviously, Brady wasn't lighting, lighting the world on fire in his first season by any means. Like, it was, the defense was probably the best defense in the league that season. Um, so we're seeing something similar here. So I don't hate the comparisons because I think this Patri Patriots defense is maybe not number one, but it's, I think it's probably top three, like two or three, I would say. It could be number one even. I think it's a really good defense. And the offense is starting to, to you know, get some things going. Um, and we'll see. I don't want to say too much about, like, future implications, like, with the playoffs. You know, there's still a lot of things to work on. But I do definitely like what I'm seeing. And I think Mac Jones, you know, I think we've seen enough to where Mac Jones is going to be the franchise quarterback for, uh, you know, a while, I would say. Yeah, and I 100% I agree. Uh, next up here on the note, Trevor, we got the Chiefs, who have won three straight. Um, you know, they started off three and four, have won three straight, now six and four, their first in the AFC West. Are the Chiefs back? <laughs> yeah. Um, um, that wasn't a yeah, as in, like, I'm saying definitely yes. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's so tough. The NFL has been so unpredictable over the last couple weeks that it's made me want to be like, you know what? I'm just going to sit back, relax, have fun, enjoy the games, because mm -hmm. I don't know what's going to happen. I could sit here and predict, oh, you know, the Chiefs, they're the best team in the AFC again. Like, well, you know, they're going to go on this run. They're going to make the Super Bowl, whatever. I could say all that. And then I could be totally wrong. So, like, we, we don't really know. You know, we're just making predictions for fun. But are the Chiefs back? Um, it was it was a step in the right direction. Um, but that was the Raiders, who I don't believe are very good. Uh, now, they have a big game tomorrow night against the uh, Cowboys, or tomorrow afternoon, I should say. Which that that will tell a little bit more, I think, for the Chiefs in general because their defense still is a big concern. Like their defense is not very good, and if the Cowboys come out and lay forty points on them, which they might, then again it's just like, yeah, okay, they have Mahomes, and yeah, the offense maybe is looking better now. But at the end of the day, this defense is such an Achilles heel that we can't call them the best team in the AFC. So I'm gonna wait and see on. The, for the Cowboys game, I do think Mahomes, like all the Mahomes worries, I, I don't think it's really something I'm really worried about all that much. Every great QB has a slump. I still think Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. Um, and, and weirdly, he actually is a, has a long shot of being the MVP. Like, I wouldn't completely yeah. roll that out. I was out just about to mention that. Run. 
I don't even yeah, think it's like, a long shot. I think he's up there yeah, for MVP. Like he's like, yeah, exactly. Like he's within that top five, top six, probably. You know, so he's he has a chance, and they still have a really solid offense overall, even with you know some of the mistakes. Obviously, the concern is what we always thought it would be. It's the defense um, for the Chiefs, at least in my opinion, it is. But what, what do you think about the Chiefs? Well, what I was just about to say is I was like, is is Mahomes sneakily put himself in the MVP race? Now, I was going to say with a firm yes. Um, he's actually started to play really, really, really well. He has 25 touchdowns, 10 picks. There's only three guys here uh, above 20 touchdowns. Um, you know, it's him, Brady, and Stafford, all of which I think are the top three for the, uh, the MVP race. Um, I'd still say Brady is the MVP. He's played one less game. He has more touchdowns, less interceptions than all those guys. Better quarterback rating. Um, so, I, or excuse me, yeah, just quarterback rating, my fault. Um, so, I would still say Brady's at the top. But, I mean, Mahomes is two or three, in my opinion. I mean, Derrick Henry won't win it just because he won't be in enough games. If he stayed, I, I think he might be the favorite. I don't see any other player that really, you know, w- would be that close to it. Um, I, I mean, some people want Lamar up there. I think Lamar's played like an MVP. Uh, but statistically, isn't even close to it. Uh, so you know, in that sense, he won't be he won't be there. But I don't know. Mahomes has been just absolutely wonderful. He's been really, really great. Um, and speaking of games, we're we're looking forward to. I, I think we got to talk about the Chiefs and Cowboys. Um, who do you have in this game, Trevor? If you have to predict who's winning this game. Well, uh, I don't know if I should spoil it um, unless we're is that your pick in the podcast. Uh, I was gonna pick on. I was gonna pick that game. Let's just do it. Let's do it. Let's get right into it. All right, so yes, I am picking this game. Um, I'm gonna be a little bold um, here with my pick. Um, and by the way, Ben Ben won last week. He got the point uh, for his pick, which was the Bills. He had the Bills winning by 15. He was the closest on that margin. So Ben leads with four points. Brandon, you and I both have two points. Um, but yeah, I'm picking Cowboys Chiefs, and I'm gonna be a little bold here. I'm gonna pick the Chiefs to win, and I'm gonna pick the Chiefs to win by seven points. I think that Mahomes, I, I do think he's going to continue this run a little bit here. He had five touchdowns last week. I could see him having another really big game. Again, the Cowboys, yes, they look very good. They're probably one of the best six, seven teams at least. Some people would call them, you know, top two, top three, which maybe that's, you know, it's fair. It's possible. Um, but I have the Chiefs winning this game because I don't, you know, I said I don't trust the Chiefs defense. I don't really trust the Cowboys defense, frankly, that much either. Um, and I think this could be a little bit more of a shootout. And I, yeah, I have the Chiefs winning by seven. If Dak is healthy, like really healthy, they win the game. That's that's my prediction that's a, on that. that that's um, what, thing, what's yeah. Ben's prediction? I don't remember. What Ben's? Yes. Yeah. So Ben, um, I think he's out for blood a little bit. He picked your Baltimore oh, yeah. Ravens um, to win the game over the Bears by fourteen points. Yeah, and according to him, and I'm quoting him in, in our group chat, he said. Uh, I love the Ravens. I've been a fan since day one. So just just so everyone knows, Ben O'Brien is a Ravens fan. I want that well documented. <laughs> um, so Trevor, I'm going to have you pick which game I'm going to pick. Do you want me to pick the, the quote-unquote easier game or quote-unquote harder game? Oh you, oh, you want me to pick your game? I do. I do. You have the option between one of two games. Okay. So there's one between game. one of two? Yeah, there's yeah. one game where a team has a very good record playing a team with a terrible record. And there's another game where the teams have basically the same record, and you get to choose. Who pick the I... game with the, the the same record. Okay, all right, all right. The same record. I was hoping you'd pick this because I actually feel more confident about my prediction that I was going to give with this game, um, and that's why I phrased it. How I phrased it. 
Uh, so we, I'm going to be picking the Jets and Dolphins. Dolphins are three and seven. Jets are two and seven. Um, the game is in New York. We have Joey Flacco playing quarterback for the Jets. I am sticking with my man, Joe Flacco. I love Joe Flacco. I bought a Super Bowl to Baltimore. I think the Jets win by ten points over the Dolphins. Really? Yes, they are not favored. Miami is minus wow. three and a half. I pick the Jets to win by ten. With Joe Flacco at the helm, anything is possible. Um, <laughs> Jets by ten. Wow. Okay. Yeah, Jets by ten. Uh, and watch when I get my point. Uh, you know, the, coming up and when I get my point. You know, we'll see. Right. We'll see who the real guru is. Uh, but I think we'll wrap up the episode there for today. A little bit of a shorter one, but that's okay. Uh, we'll, of course, be back next week on this podcast, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time next Sunday. Uh, but thank you all so much for listening to this episode. We really, really appreciate all the support. Of course, follow us on Twitter at the Small Baller, or click the link in the description um, so you can keep up to date when all of our podcasts go live. Um, but, yeah, of course, subscribe to the podcast. Leave that five-star review if you enjoyed it. But with that being said, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Go Falcons!